0: Well, today's message is entitled, Using What God Has Given. God has given each and every one of us a gift, a talent, an ability, some resources, and He expects a return on what He's given us. Today we're going to look at what the Bible calls, well, yeah, I guess it does call it a parable. I love the parables. Remember when Jesus went around preaching and teaching, uh, they didn't have the Bible like we have. We can say, "Hey, would you open to matthew chapter twenty five you know verses today fourteen to thirty yeah, well, they couldn't do that. They had the Old Testament they had the scrolls, but they were kept in the temple or in the synagogue. The common man didn't have one remember Gutenberg, the printing press new testament hadn't been written yet. And so one of the teaching techniques of the rabbis was to, to use a parable, sort of a story, if you will. We remember stories, don't we? And and the word parable comes from the Greek word parabole. Uh, we get our word parallel from it. You know, you might think of railroad tracks run what? Parallel to one another. So if you think of a parable as an earthly story, but it has a heavenly meaning. There's a heavenly attachment to this. And in today's parable, um, Jesus is going to talk about a real wealthy guy, a businessman, who goes on a business trip, and he entrusts his servants, three of them, with some of his money to carry on the business. But when he returns, he expects what? That investment to pay off. Are you seeing any connection? Do you see the earthly story? We fit in here somewhere. Let's talk about it. Um, First of all, let me just tell you about this man who had dreamed about owning a cattle ranch. And um, finally he had saved enough money to buy himself a spread out there in Wyoming. And uh, his best friend had heard about this cattle ranch and he wanted to fly out and see it. And so he went out, his friend picked him up, took him to the ranch, and he says, so what did you end up naming your ranch? He says, well, my wife and I couldn't agree on what to call it, but we settled on the Double R, Lazy L, Triple Horseshoe Bar 7 Lucky Diamond Ranch. (laughs) He said, well, that's quite an impressive name, but where are all the cattle? He said, well, that's the problem. They didn't survive the branding. (laughs) Now, today as we read this, I don't want you to get so caught up in spiritual gifts that we don't survive servanthood. All right? God has a job, He has a a service, a ministry for every one of us. But the key is to not think that you must do everything. But we are to use what we have been given well. Are you getting this? And I don't know how many times I've said it. God would rather you do one thing well, if you're a one-talent man or woman, than try to do six things not so good. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 gives us the principle of use. Each one should, what's the next word? Use whatever gift he has received. Now, who do we get these gifts from? We get them from God. Some are ten talent men, some are five talent men, some are two talent men, some are one talent men. But I believe everybody gets at least one gift. And and I kind of think that motivational gift is our main gift and it spins off into other areas of ministry. But we should use it to serve ourselves, correct? All on me? No. No. On others. Are you getting this? Faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. These gifts, talents and abilities take on various forms. We're to use them to serve one another, and it's all a part of God's grace. Now let's look at seven principles from this text this morning from Matthew 25:14 to 30, and look at how we're to use the gifts that God's given us. Number one, here's a principle number one. <clears throat> it is the principle of ownership. Everything belongs to God. I think we sometimes forget that. You know, I talk about, would you like to come over to my house? I'll take you over in my car, and you can meet my children, and my grandchildren, and my wife, and we talk about myself. But who does it all really belong to? It's all God's. Our kids are just on loan to us. They don't belong to us. Now, I get that. We we use the word my, but we better understand ultimately this principle is it all belongs to Him. I don't even belong to me. Act, read Acts 20.28. 20, we are a blood-bought church. He purchased us with His what? Blood. So I don't even belong to me. I belong to God. I'm in service to Him. Matthew again, it will be like a man, the parable begins, going on a journey. And you know, it was very common in Jesus' day for wealthy men to go on long journeys to expand their businesses. And uh, you know, they didn't hop on their own private jets like the rich guys do today and you know, get there and they're back the next day. You'd have to board a ship if you were going to go overseas. And it would take months, maybe upwards of a year, to come back home. But in the meantime, you know, someone's got to pick up the mail, you know, someone's gotta water the dog, or feed the dog and water the plants. Or do you feed the plants and water the dog? I'm not sure. And and someone's gotta carry on the business while he's out expanding. And so he entrusts this task his property to his servants. Again, it's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted, notice the next word, his property. See, it's all his, but he's entrusting it to them. And so God has entrusted some things to us. Are you getting the parable here? Are you getting the earthly story? Are you getting the heavenly meaning? God has entrusted some gifts to us, some things to us. It all belongs to Him and he expects a return when he comes back. Now, allocation, principle number two. God has given me some talents. Notice, to one, he gave five talents of money. This tells me this was a rich guy. A talent was a measure of weight. And you might want to consider... Five talents, check this out, worth one point five million dollars. Told you this was a rich dude. He's given five one point five million dollars to this guy. Did I say dollars? Big mistake. The greenbacks of my wallet, those dollars, that's called currency. In the Bible, money is always gold or silver. The stuff on my wallet, since we went off the gold standard, is worth paper. Whatever the paper is. Now, we say it's worth, uh, maybe one bill is a 10, one's a 5, one's a 100. They're just worth that because we say they're worth that. But God's money was gold or silver. This guy gets 1.5 million of real money. Not currency. Big difference. But the other, he receives Two talents, that's 600000 and to one, to the other, one talent. That's, that's 300000 each according to his ability. And so even that one talent man was entrusted with a great deal of money, would you not agree? I mean, how many of you would entrust $300,000 to somebody? You'd say, boy, I trust this person. So they're all capable, each according to their ability. Even the one talent man had the ability to do what the other two did. We're going to see that. But he just didn't do it. Allocation. Everybody gets something. Now today's talents, you know, when we talk about a talent, and I remember for years as a kid, that's the parable of the talents. It's talking about, you know, people that are talented. They can hit a baseball further than anyone else or shoot a basket make it in this little round thing with amazing regularity Yeah, those are talents and those are gifts and you can even make money with that ability would you not agree and and it can be money but it's all of these things if you stop and think about it speaking of money I heard about this really rich guy he and his friend were flying in his airplane and it uh, was having some engine trouble and they sort of crash-landed on a deserted island. Nobody was, neither one of them were hurt, but the plane was damaged enough that it wasn't ever going to take off again from there. And so um, they get out, and his buddy kind of dusts himself off, and he just sort of frantically starts running around the island looking for people, see if it's inhabited. And he came back in a panic, and he says, Hey, man, we're all alone on this deserted island. There's no food. There's no water. There's no shelter. We're going to die. He's in a panic. The other guy just kind of leans back against the fuselage and says, don't worry, we're not going to die. I make $100,000 a week. He goes, listen. It's an uninhabited island. No food, water, shelter. We're doomed. He says, relax. I make $100,000 a week. He says, well, what does the fact that you make $100,000 a week have anything to do with with the fact that we're on a deserted island. He says, what you don't understand is, I tithe 10% of that every week. My preacher will find us. (laughs) To one, five talents. To another, two talents. To another, one talent of money. The amount differed, but everybody got something. In the church, in the family of God, there is no such thing as a no talent person. I think a lot of times, oh, I can't do anything. I can't. Don't you say that. God doesn't put you in his church, in his family, giftless. You have something. Romans 12, verse 5. So in Christ, we who are many, that's the church, form how many bodies? One. Now, my body has many body parts. I've got a hand with five, four fingers and a thumb. All part of the same body. It's connected to a forearm, to a shoulder. i got a head, eyes, ears, nose, mouth. Just one body, though. And I don't know what role you play in the body. Maybe you're the, the eyes, maybe you're the ears, maybe you're the feet, maybe you're the big toe, small toe. I mean, all the body. I, I want every part of the body. I don't want to lose one part of my body. I don't even want to lose my baby toe. Do you? So, we're all important. We all have been given something. You're unique. We have different gifts, but it's according to God's grace that He has given those. Now, some of you may be ten-talent men and women, five-talent men and women, one-talent It doesn't matter. Just... You do. You're going to be held accountable for what you have been given. God has a uh, um, has given an account, um, allocation of gifts to you. Now, accountability. God expects me to use them. Here's the point. He expects me to use them. Verse 19. After a long time. How long ago was it that Jesus says? I go to prepare a place for you, but I will come again. That has been a long time ago, hasn't it? Wouldn't you agree? But wouldn't you also agree, doesn't mean he'll be gone forever either. He's coming back. And I want to be ready for that. And I want our church to be ready for that. And you're going to want to be ready for that day when there is some accountability. God expects me to use this. After a long time, the master of the servants came and settled accounts with them. He wanted a return on his investment. And the same is true of my life, and the same is true of your life. And one day, God's going to do an audit of your life. He's going to say, what did you do with the gifts, talents, and abilities, and the resources I gave to you? And he's going to expect an answer. Are you seeing the parable A? The parable, earthly story, heavenly meaning because Antonio's voice was so high and squeaky he did not make the tryouts for the Cremona boys choir oh he wanted in that choir so bad when he took violin lessons the neighbors persuaded his parents please make him stop yet Antonio still wanted to make music he loved music His friends gave him a hard time because the only talent that he had was whittling. He was good with wood. Well, you know, in time, as he got older, Antonio became an apprentice to a violin maker. His knack for whittling turned into a craft. And he worked patiently and faithfully at that craft. And by the time he died, he had made over 1,500 violins, each one bearing the label on the inside of the violin that read, Antonio Stradivarius, the most sought-after violin in the world today. Now, Antonio couldn't sing. Antonio couldn't play. You might say Antonio was a one-talent sort of guy. But oh, did he put it to use. Amen? His responsibility wasn't to play or to sing. God held him responsible For making the violins that are still making beautiful music today. Are you getting this? How did God wire you up? What did God gift you to do? Stick with that. Don't do a half a dozen other things lousy. Do the one thing well that God has called you to do. You may not be able to sing. You may not be able to play. You may not be able to preach or teach but everybody's a tenant. Something. Everybody. God's placed us in the church because He wants all the different jobs to get done. Number four, utilization. One, ownership. Everything belongs to God. Let's get that settled. Allocation. God has given me some talents. Accountability. God expects me to use them. And then utilization. It's wrong to bury what God gave me. So the first man... He goes out and he doubles what his master had given him. So he had given him five talents. He now has how many? Ten. Ten talents. Doubling. Second man had two, now has four. Doubling. Great results. These guys were wise investors. And you're not to think that this came easy. You're not to think that this was not without some uh, risk involved. I, I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of person that would—I'd rather lose my money in an investment than you tell me to here take my money and invest. I would be more nervous taking your money than my own, right? But that was the assignment given, and they did it. But what about this guy that received the three hundred thousand? Verse 18, but the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. He buries it. He does nothing with it. He plays it safe. Ooh, and the master's reaction? Verse 26, you wicked, lazy servant. The master's ticked. Now, he didn't lose it. He just didn't use it. He is hacked off. At least you could have put it in the bank. Got some interest, right? You haven't even tried. You played it safe. It's the sin of inactivity. It's the sin of passivity. It's the sin of no effort. Here's the point. I cannot please God by playing it safe. I must take risk in ministry. Why? Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. We read that over and over again in Scripture. You know, God would rather you try and fail than to do nothing at all. At least you made an attempt. And I guarantee you, if He's gifted you in an area, and you go for it, He'll open the doors. You may make a few mistakes along the way, but if you stay faithful, you will be successful. And you'll hear the words, well done. God expects us to take risk is really what I was trying to get you to see. Number five, application. If I don't use it, I will lose it. Verse 28, take the talent from him. That's the one talent, man. And give it to the one who has how many? Ten. Well, why not the guy that had two? Seems like, well, he he, he doubled his two. Well, why, not? why not give it to him? Here's why. God is going to give greater gifts to the one that will use it the most effectively to expand his kingdom. The ten-talent man will do a better job overall so heaven can be a fuller place. The will of the master is that his house be full. Give it to the one with ten. And as your preacher and as your friend, I don't want you to lose your talent. Because if you don't use it, it's going to be taken away. You say, okay, Bruce, I'm all in. I believe this parable. What do I do? Let me give you four areas quickly of faithful servants and servanthood. This one is the principle of reaching. Reaching. I must prayerfully invite my family and friends to the Lord. Do you remember who Peter was in the Bible? Do you remember who Andrew was in the Bible? Andrew was Peter's little brother. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus where would we be without Andrew do you remember a guy named Philip in the Bible he brought his friend Nathaniel who have you been bringing who have you invited to harvest festival well yeah my friends would never go to church with me they might go to harvest this afternoon at 4 o'clock they just might that's a fun thing that's a cool thing They meet some of the church members you know, keep them away from the elders, you'll be fine. <laughs> that would be a really good thing. And that's the next step. Hey, we've got a growth group, or you know, Bruce got this Bible class, and you know, we got this men's group, we got this alpine retreat, we've got we got we got something for everybody. But do it with prayer. Matthew nine thirty eight, before you invite, always pray. Remember Jesus says the harvest is is ready. It's, it's it's white unto harvest. So you'd think the next thing he would say is, well, get out there and start picking. No, he says the next words out of Jesus' mouth were, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray first that he will send forth reapers. You want to help her in your ministry? Oh, I'm doing it all on my own. Start praying. Start praying. And... When it comes to guests, uh, this is the second part of reaching. See, once I became a child of God, part of my responsibility uh, was to reach others for Christ. It just goes with the territory. I'm now in the family. I need to help others get in the family. And so I must treat our guests warmly. You know, what? a first-time guest comes, they're just kind of checking us out. That's kind of their attitude, and that's kind of a good thing. And and you better greet them warmly. Uh, If they come back again, that's a good sign. That means that, you know, hey, I kind of like that group. Let's go see if they're for real. So you better greet them again. You see somebody, hey, first time, hey, good to see you here again. Glad that you're here. If they come a third time, you know what they're saying? You've got me if you want me. So close the sale. And if God has used you for three weeks in a row, To to talk to that same person and make them feel a part of Crosspoint, take them to lunch. Say, well, who's buying? (laughs) You are. (laughs) This goes with the territory. It costs money for kingdom business. This is a good thing. Number two, equipping. I must get equipped if I'm going to be a part of this servanthood thing. And um, I got to remind myself I have two jobs. Leaders, you know what this is, right? Job number one is to serve in a ministry. I don't care if it's youth ministry, worship ministry, sports ministry, facilities ministry, you know, whatever it is, get involved. But then your second job is to get, don't do ministry alone. Get someone involved with you and teach them that they have two jobs. The ministry they're involved with and to get somebody else as well. Do you see how this goes? Paul told Timothy, the things which you have heard from me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, who will be able to teach others also, and so forth. That's how that principle goes. And then there needs to be funding. No ministry can operate without funds, and so I must be willing to fund the church. Malachi 3 8 to 10 says, Will a man rob God? Yet yeah, you're robbing me. But you say, How? How am I robbing you? Well, you don't bring in the contribution, you don't bring the tithes, you don't bring in the offerings. But if you would just do that, you would not be worse off. You would be better off. I'll bring in the whole. You bring in the whole tithe, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing on you, you won't be able to contain it. And um, during the good times, I would suggest you'd also prepare for financial storms ahead. It's kind of that seven years of you know fatness and seven years of leanness, prepare in advance. And then finally, serving. I must stay united. In every church that you're in, there's no such thing as a perfect human being, no such thing as a perfect preacher, um, person, and so you're going to have a church made up of imperfect people, and sometimes problems happen in a church, and you don't want your leaders divided and your teachers divided. See, once your leaders get divided, well, then the whole church starts falling apart, and you don't want that, so you've got to stay united with one another. Jesus says, a house divided cannot stand. And then I must remember tough times don't last, but tough people do. And then there's the principle finally of this, and here's where we're going to close with compensation. Aren't you glad we're ending with we're going to get a reward? (laughs) If we just hang on, if we just stay faithful during the lean years, during the tough times, if I use my talent, I'm going to be rewarded. Verse 23, his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I I see three rewards there in that verse. There's affirmation. Well done. I can't think of anything better than to hear those words. Well done. When I die... Here's what I've asked God for. I think it's okay to ask God for stuff, don't you? I said, well, when I die, and you hold my hand like you said you would in the 23rd Psalm, and you will carry me, hold my hand, all the way through the valley of the shadow of death. So he doesn't just take me halfway and then leave me, you're on your own. All the way through. I said, God, the first people I want to see are my mom and dad, And then my family that I led to the Lord. You know, I led my Uncle James to the Lord two weeks before he died. And then I want to see anybody else I led to the Lord or had a hand in leading to the Lord that maybe has already gone before me. Maybe people I don't even know, just barely knew, maybe planted a little seed, somebody else watered, God gave the increase. I want to hear their stories. I want to, God, would that be okay? I think that would be a cool way to start off eternity. So that's my prayer request. But the first thing before any of that happens, I will hear, well done. Ooh, look forward to that. And so will you. And then there's promotion. You've been faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many. And then there's celebration. Come and share your master's happiness. The happiest people I know are those that are using what they've got for God and His church and others. Let's pray. When when God does an audit on your life, what will He find? You say, Bruce, this morning, I believe what you read in that parable... I I see where I fit in. How How do I start investing my life? Well, here's what I would say to you this morning if you're not yet a child of God. Come to know Jesus first. Let Him save you by His grace. We had communion together today and Dave talked about how at the foot of the cross, Jesus and His blood and His sacrifice cleansed us. Receive Him by faith confess that you're a sinner repent of your sins and put him on in water baptism by immersion and then serve God by serving others and when you hear well done good and faithful servant you'll be so glad that you did this now I challenge you to come to Jesus today father thank you that you've given us talents and abilities and gifts and skills and opportunities you are such a great God. You've given us such great privileges, and with privilege comes responsibility. Help us to make our lives count for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.